0: since the bonus two-man game inside. Thomas oh. dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert!
1: This is Paul's podcast. My name is Brendan Nunes. It's been a sec, but we back out here. I'm excited to get this started again and starting up with a new co-host. Uh, Hunter Patterson, editor for The Athletic, also covers Sacramento Kings, my guy. What's up, bro? Are you chilling? I am, bro. I
2: appreciate you having me. It's uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I have been following the pod for a little bit and now to be able to actually help out. Uh, I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped about it. Uh, you and I obviously hang out a, a decent bit and, and kind of got close a little bit, uh, covering the team. And was last year year one for you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I moved to SAC um, September 2022, so coming up on a year and a half out here. It's been solid, bro.
1: Okay, okay. And you're a Bay Area guy, right? I, like, always accidentally call you an East Coast dude.
2: Yeah, bro, I know. But I'm I'm (laughs) definitely born and raised in the Bay. Um, Went to undergrad at LMU in LA, and then I went to SC for grad school, so very much California. And then... You always think about East Coast because first job okay. out of school, I was like working with the NBA in Jersey. So some light, some light, uh, yeah, <laughs> a, little, <laughs> little bit, bro. a little bit, not too bad, not too bad. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, today we're going to go through kind of some stuff on Keegan, talk about the three point defense. It's been a big point of emphasis for the Kings really all year long, but throughout most of this uh, specifically post all-star break. And then we'll, we'll get to some other things in here, too. I'm, I'm going to try to be a little creative with some of these soundboards and clips and things. So it, excuse me as the the learning process goes on here, but I wanted to start with uh, what you wrote recently, bro. Like you you got to sit down with Keegan, which let me tell y'all is very difficult to get one-on-ones for the Sacramento Kings. So you, you, you out here, you out here, but I, I'm going to just kind of let you take the lead. It, it was kind of centered around Keegan's growth this year on, on both ends of the floor, but what what kind of,
2: went into to all that for you yeah I was trying to figure out mainly from him like what what was the turning point and when he thought he could be a pretty special defender and it was cool he he definitely mentioned that game on November 1st it was against the Warriors Um, those two steals he said kind of um gave him his confidence and he said he quote-unquote flipped the switch and since then, bro, he's been extremely locked in. Um, definitely wanted to ask him what the high school version of himself would think about where he's at now, because it's not really every day you see second year guys doing what he's able to do. Um, yeah, bro, he cracked a smile here and there. So I was cool getting to talk to him and chop it up. Um, but I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, you on a short list of people to make Keegan smile. Uh, he's, I can't even do that. If it was last season, I would have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting my jokes off or whatever, but yeah, he's yeah. like, he's showing more personality this year.
1: Yeah. A little bit. Um, and, and you mentioned those two steals, it's two steals against Steph in that Warriors game. And she's talking about, um, one of the quotes you got from him in here is I got an on-ball steal on Curry earlier in the game. Then I got another one. He says, that's kind of how my confidence grew. And, uh, it's interesting. And and you kind of go on to talk about, he spent obviously the whole off season with De'Aaron Fox mm-hmm. and played a lot of ones, and yeah. it, it's everybody's gonna think of the offense, right? I, I think that he does kind of try to do some of De'Aaron's moves sometimes. Yeah, he that hard him. plant, you know. Yeah, um, and it looks a little awkward because they just weigh different body types. Right, but it, he was talking to you about how like the defense, really, that's what that made a big difference, right? Working with De'Aaron.
2: Yeah, he was saying he more or less. He being De'Aaron, like, helped slow the game down defensively for Keegan. And um, I was thinking he mainly helped Keegan offensively as well. I was definitely one of those people until we had that conversation. And um, I think just Fox being as fast as he is, a three-level scorer, someone who obviously can get a bucket whenever he wants, for Keegan to consistently be in those ones and probably not win a ton of them, it it really like he said slowed the game down for him, and we're seeing it translate this year. If they played, let's say fifty, how many are you giving it? Oh to man, he probably got like, I'll say like twelve to fifteen, something like that. Yeah, that's cool. uh, maybe even twenty, possibly, but I doubt it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I bet you De'Aaron would deny that, but I could see it.
2: I could yeah, see it. we we got to see this off season who's winning most of the ones. Cause that, that could be a different conversation than last year.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, there's like how it, it's Fox, like fastest dude in the league, yeah. staying in front of that guy, obviously huge in those ones, but like, that's, he's been on guards a lot this season. Like you talk mm-hmm. about, I mean, Luka's a bigger guard, but you talk about a game against Luca in there. Um, he's started Donovan Mitchell this year, Devin Booker, yeah. Anthony Edwards, like, What do you do you think he's better on guards or do you think that there's an equal level of both? Because there's still nights you're going to see him go get put out there on like PG, you know?
2: Yeah, I think his versatility kind of makes it hard to say because I talked about some of the guards he defended. But in doing the research for that piece, like I'm looking at possessions where he's doing pretty well on Wimby um bigger guys so I I would say guards probably just because that was what he was used to with Fox and um I think he's really good at being able to like change directions and if, if somebody's trying to get shifty go like side to side you're not gonna be able to really get around him too much so all that to say probably guards but he has a versatility to guard guys who are bigger than him too
1: yeah I'm definitely with you and and. I think that's so important for like the long-term roster construction of this team, because really you're talking about the core of Foxabonis and Keegan, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, all right, you want to follow the Denver mold, for example. Who are going to be your other two like perfect complements, right? And with Keegan being versatile like that, I feel like it gives you so much flexibility mm-hmm. of who that other, you know, the two, three, four. Like Keegan can play any of them, low key, right? Yeah. Like, do do you think as you as you're building out a roster? Like, because in my mind, he could play the two or he could play the four. Right. But, and there ain't that much of a difference in today's NBA, yeah. but you might want more size, like, next to him rather than two small dudes since we're also talking about Sabonis there at the five. Like, yeah, with with that versatility that we're starting to see, in your mind, is there, like, an ideal other guys
2: around that trio, just size and, like, positionally? Um, First thought is kind of, like, Obviously, AG, that's like, right. you, you can't really replicate that. He's starring in that role. Um, I know there was talk of, like, potentially Pascal before he got traded, which would have been cool, but obviously he wasn't super bought in long term. Jeremy Grant, maybe. He doesn't really defend too well. Coos um, is another person who helps offensively more than he does defensively, so it's like... Guys with that build, that frame, maybe, but someone more defensive minded than those two.
1: Yeah. But so, like a bigger guy, though, like compared to, say, you go Caruso and I don't know, Thiebel. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could run that lineup, but you probably want more size. But I I think that, like, Keegan's versatility is going to let you definitely play with things Mm -hmm. moving forward. And, bro, I, I never thought after last year that he'd come out like this. Yeah, it's
2: crazy. Like, and I'm thinking mainly a big just because Sabonis isn't really the best rim protector. So somebody yeah. who can kind of aid in that process and make life easier for Domas. Um, but yeah, like after the playoffs last year and this, the way the season went, obviously keeping in mind this is only his second season, I was not expecting him to be um, this well-rounded, this fast defensively. So yeah, cool. it, see.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then you see some of it on the other end. I think a lot of people are like, oh, you know, sure, the defense took a leap. We ain't seen the offensive leap. But you did a good job pointing out, like, he dunking the ball more. He's yep. taking more mid-ranges. And he's just, I, I think, doing it a little bit more by himself. And there is progress there. Um, but what what do you feel like has kind of been the biggest growth offensively for him this year?
2: I think for him to just be more comfortable taking the ball off the bounce – Um, whether it's like getting the board, bringing it up in transition. And sometimes he will look dudes off, which I kind of, I kind of like, um, and Mike is putting pressure on him to be as aggressive as possible. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's already doubled the mid range total that he had from last season, which was like, we're 30, like between 20 to 30 games ahead of schedule for that considering he played 80 games last year. Um yeah, we we saw what he did to Chet a few months ago. Um Zach Collins who seems like he constantly gets dunked on, he Facts. was one of Keegan's latest victims, so I think um, Zoo just got it. Zubak just
1: got one, I think. I think from, from him my,
2: and Domas. He tried to put uh KD on poster, uh, a poster. That's right. Yeah, when they were in Phoenix, so um just the over and that was one where it didn't really look like he was gonna dunk it but Keegan was just like fuck it I'm gonna try it yeah. so I, I think him being that aggressive is something that's huge for not only him but the success of the team going forward
1: yeah Michelle, and I like the the finishing I, I still don't when you see him driving I'm like still a little is he about to get swatted yeah. right now because it Last year, it was like, he's going to go up. He's probably going to double clutch, overthink mm-hmm. midair. And this year, it's like, all right, there's there's more, but it's, it's still got to get even further.
2: You know what I mean? Yeah. And, bro, I remember that game against the Thunder. Um, Chris was sitting next to me, Chris Watkins, and I was like, bro, like, there was a play where he took it up and it wasn't as strong as it could have been. So I was like, I wish he would just punch on somebody one time. And then a few plays later, he, he did what he did to Chet, so. Yeah, and crispy, crispy on that one.
1: Crispy joking De'Aaron. about how he's the worst finisher in the league. <laughs> he got that clip of there was a there was a game earlier this year where one of the sideline reporters talked to De'Aaron before the game, and De'Aaron told him that Keegan's the worst finisher I've ever seen. Oh, and they crazy. said that on the broadcast. And of course, Chris and all his like meme folder got that saved just for when he gets denied. You know, um, Chris. By
2: the way, he probably is one of the most elite. Uh, meme-ready people that oh, I, yeah. I see on Twitter. He constantly has some good stuff ready to go.
1: You know, I actually got one right here that this is definitely him. This is one of my favorite
2: ones that he keeps on go. That boy, Kev going stupid. Yeah, bro. <laughs> he, he constantly has stuff ready to go at the right time. It's so funny. that
1: That's the of, as, as Kevin Herder was cooking. But that was like from last year, too. But yeah. yeah. Um, The other thing, I, there's... You know, Keegan's taking a big jump this year, and and we are going to talk a little bit about some of these recent games throughout the process, but wanted to go a little more big picture. It's this three-point defense for me. I think Kings are sitting right now 20th in defensive rating. Last year, I think 25, 26. Uh, Not good. You got to be better there if you want to actually be competitive in the playoffs. Like, only team that I think in recent years that really made a run with a bad defense was probably that year Atlanta went to Eastern Conference Finals. And even you look at Denver, like Denver was a bad defense for a while. They get right. those couple pieces as kind of guys we're talking about. And you just got to get to around average, you mm-hmm. know, and, and post all-star break. Mike Brown has been saying a lot that if the Kings were even around average in three-point defense, they at the time, as was a couple games ago, they would have ranked eighth instead of the 20th or wherever they happened to be at that time. And yeah. right now uh, opponents shoot the highest three-point percentage of any team. Uh, Against the Kings than anybody else, 39.6%. Just for reference, some of these other teams, right? Utah's next, and they're 25th in defensive rating. Then you got San Antonio, 24th in defensive rating. Atlanta, 28th. Brooklyn, 19th. But like you're bad at defending the three, you're pr- it's probably going to be tough in the yeah. modern NBA. And they don't give up that many, though. It's 21st in the league, 33.7 there. It's just kind of the closeouts, it seems to be, that Mike Brown's really keyed in on. Um, what have you thought of like their three-point defense throughout this year and, and really these last couple games like that? That Clippers game was maybe one of the better ones with how good the Clippers shoot.
2: Yeah, it was, it was impressive to see what they did in L.A., um, obviously without PG, but that was probably the best effort I think I've seen them give on def- defense as a whole, um, in a minute, I don't want to say this season they they've had some good ones. They did pretty well um, against the Grizzlies. I want to say New Year's Eve, but that's right. Yeah, they I think just get in like scattered situations where it's like somebody might drive past the initial defender, and you're kind of like in no man no man's land, and you're like. Oh, let me go close out this way. And then you leave somebody else open in the process. Um, so, I I mean, you can't afford to be where they are in terms of, like, allowing other teams to shoot that well from the three, especially in the West. Um, you got to play against Steph and the Warriors at some point, possibly, if they get to move up in the standings. But um, and in Minnesota, they're shooting it pretty well. So, I mean – I can't really pinpoint what exactly it is because we're deep into the season and not much has changed in that regard. But um, I can tell you it does have to change. It definitely does. And it's Mike keeps closing, the clo- uh,
1: talking about closeouts. Mike Brown mm-hmm. keeps pointing to closeouts. And I actually got a clip here. This is from mid December. Actually, I, I was asking about closeouts because he had been even talking about it then. But like, say that just to say this has been a conversation. Like, right. this is. The same way they're talking about that, they're talking about pace on the offensive end. Like, sure, that's more emphasized right now, but those were already conversations, you know. But uh, Mike Brown got into the specifics of what they need to do better with their closeouts. And anybody watching on the YouTube side, you get like a whole Mike Brown get a little animated. He might start like boxing out Jason Anderson in the middle of this. You never know what's going to go on. So this this is going to run for a minute, but I, I thought it was really helpful. Mike really went into the details of what they need to do better in their closeouts. I think your defensive shot profile has been okay. Like, it seems like you guys are not giving up too many corner threes or at the rim looks,
0: but they're still going down at a
2: good rate.
0: Yeah, and, and that means that uh, our closeouts have to be better, you know, and we're trying to we're trying to find the fine line of, of getting guys off the line and still trying to stay in front. You know, the one thing that we can't do and we have a habit of doing is, is closing short. Like, if, if you're a hot shooter, especially at our size you know if i stop here and let you shoot the ball and then i contest well if you're trey murphy at 610 which there are a lot of guys that are six ten, he's probably gonna shoot through you you know it's it's you know normal logic a smaller guy stopping short and trying to contest a, great three-point shooter Uh, you got to get to their body and now when you get to their body you got to figure out how to get to their body but not let them blow by you to where now we got to collapse and they can kick again and if they do kick again we just got to keep scrambling you know now all bets are off you got to talk you got to communicate you got to fly around contest and try to limit them to one shot and so uh, trying to emphasize that has been uh, something that we've done all year but uh we put a little bit more emphasis on it uh the last couple of days. So you're not a fan of those fly-by like jumping contests. No, that's a great point. Uh, I, now, if if the distance is such that I can't get to your body, then jump in the air. Does does that make sense? Uh, you know, if the distance is such that I can get to your body, there's no reason for me to jump in the air. I just need to get Completely to your body to where my chest is basically touching your arm. Not, not, my, not, my, not here, because if you go here, what's going to happen? You just go up as a foul. So my chest, excuse me, but has to be here on the closeout. And we have a habit of going here and then jumping. And if you watch our guys go here and then jump, that's not a great contest. First guys like Steph and Kevin Durant and Book and Austin Reed, you know, great three-point shooters. You can't do that. Not not at our level. So, we have to do a better job of closing to guys' chest while trying not to let them drive by us. And one more time. And like I said, you jump in the air. If I can, like, if I'm so far and I can't get to your chest, now I'm jumping in the air and hopefully landing in front of you and still being able to cut you off. You the know. player on your team would be a good example of that. I'm just saying, I see Keegan... Yeah, just watch the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, you try trying to get me to call my guys out. <laughs> no, 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 no. You no, tell I me. I'm, I see Keegan doing it a lot. That's a, he's an example to me. That same example, you know, you know, getting his chest up in there and then, you know, moving back. See, see see the, and I'm not saying Keegan doesn't do it, but there's a different... One of the things... No, I'm that, saying he does it. He does it. I'm so I mean, I mean, explaining to you. Keegan does a nice job of guarding the ball like that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Davion does a nice job of guarding the ball like that. I'm talking on a closeout, there's a, there's a difference between already guarding the ball, putting your chest on him, and being in a held position. Now the ball gets kicked or swung, and now I got to go close out to a guy's chest, you know. What I'm and I'm not saying Keegan's not doing it right, but that's what you have to look for is a closeout situation. How do guys close out? Do guys close out here? In versus a hot shooter, you know. If yeah, and, and I coach Ben Wallace, and he may come looking for me. Ben, I really love you. Please don't come looking for me, because you could probably beat me up. But if if I'm guarding Ben Wallace, and I'm in a help position, and Ben is at the three-point line, the ball gets swung to him, I'm gonna stop here. I'm gonna let you shoot it and then I'm gonna contest after you shoot it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. But a guy like Reggie Miller, okay, it's a pass. <laughs> Boom, I'm in a help position. I'm getting all I, I gotta have body to body contact with you when I close out. And you know, there are different ways you could teach it technique wise. <clears throat> And you have to do it what's comfortable. The one thing I don't want to do, if we can help it, is, like I said, there's two things. The first one is if you're Reggie Miller, stop here, let you shoot it, now I can test. Reggie's making that nine out of ten times. Or if you're Reggie Miller, I'm here, and I can get to your body, but I just jump in the air way past you, and I stop, and I see you take a side dribble and shoot it. That's not good, neither. So now you have to find a fine line in between. So I got to, you know. Back When you're in elementary school, everybody teaches you to chop, 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 chop on the close up. You can't chop, chop, chop in this league versus hot shooters. You got to run all the way to their chest, get to their chest, and show your hands. Excuse me, get to their body with your chest while showing your hands. And now, as they're going up, you may raise up at the same time with them. It makes sense, okay?
1: Bro, Mike is so good, gotta Mike love, he's so good, bro. He ain't slick though, sneaking in. He's like elite shooters, like Steph Curry, KD, Book, Austin Reeves. Like, well, bro, one of these ain't like the other. But I (laughs) feel you. It's all good. It's all
2: good. I I mean, shout out to Austin, but definitely made me think about that like meme where there's like a bunch of dudes in war, and then the dude in the very end is like the clown. The clown. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: That's crazy. Uh, but. I mean, what stood out to you in, in kind of what Mike was pointing out on, on cleaning up those closeouts?
2: I think the uh, the part he mentioned where you're looking to close out and then somebody might drive past you. And then, like we were saying, like those scramble situations, those seem to happen more often than they probably should against the Kings. Um, and hopefully, I mean, by now they should have figured it out. You mentioned that was an older clip, but between now and when you really want to kind of make that stretch or that that push toward the playoffs, they can figure something out. Yeah.
1: And yeah, because they, they haven't yet, really. And I think one of the like real tough things, at least and maybe it's just because I ain't no NBA guy. But in my mind, like closing out fully to somebody going chest to chest like that of a shooter.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: a tough spot to be in. No, like you really are not trying to foul that guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, and we see how common it is at this point, too, for like three point shooters to get fouled. They've kind of like taken the, you can't kick your legs out and stuff anymore. Um, But you could be messing around and fouling people trying to do closeouts the way he suggested it there.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just about like, you got to recognize it beforehand. You know, you can't be running as the pass is going. You got to already know that's my rotation. I'm ready right. to get there sort of thing. And, like, you hesitate for half a sec, and that's all it takes in today's NBA. And uh, I know that clip ran for a sec. I, I think it was it was pretty good. I do have one other one I want to throw in here, too, a more recent one of Mike also getting asked about those closeouts, and he gave a little bit more detail here. So shout out Jason Anderson for the questions here, but I, I want to throw one more clip in here from Mike.
0: Have you been able to identify the issue with the three-point defense? Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, you know, our, our, right now we got our closeout technique has to be better. Uh, teams aren't feeling us uh, as much as uh, they should, so we have to really uh, concentrate on on our closeout defense. And and it's relevant or evident because you know what we call hot guys, they're shooting about forty percent against us, and non-hot guys shoot about 40% against us and so um, our our closeouts have to be uh, a lot better and our sense of urgency on our closeouts and when I say a closeout that means the proximity to where we close Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. uh, and how we could test and the sense of urgency to get there. Is there Uh, there a reason is it something schematically why those guys are maybe not in position to close out faster and get there sooner? or uh, Yeah, it's, it's a combination of both. There's some changes that we're making as a staff to try to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the same breath, too, uh, the, like I said, and this is where the sense of urgency comes into play, uh, we have to be ready on the weak side, uh, especially when the drive happens and the kick happens. It can't be, okay, I'm looking at the ball, the ball gets kicked, and I was like... <gasps> oh, no, I got to go, it, because by then it's too late. You know, if a guy catches and he doesn't feel your presence, he doesn't feel that sense of urgency coming towards him, uh, it, it's a wrap if, that, if that's the case. So it's a combination combination of both. And, and uh, I, I think with us giving um, guys some, some better tips technique-wise, uh, we should see that change.
1: Yeah, and that, that's more recent. That's post-All-Star break kind of talking about how they're also trying to help him out. But really, I mean, this is kind of on the players. And he also mentioned, I don't know if it was in that clip or the previous one, that he said, like, the importance of closing out, getting all the way there. And he says, especially at our size. And I swear all the time Mike is, like, making hints about how either complimenting the other team, like, you know, that's a big team, or, (laughs) you know, little sly stuff like that of, like, you know, considering our size. Like, do you do you pick up on that, too? I swear. I feel like he talks about it a lot.
2: I haven't really, but I'm definitely about to keep an eye out now. Like, here and there, I kind of have noticed, but, um, I mean, it is a valid point. I think Domas is maybe, like, 6'10 on a good day. Yeah.
1: Um, I think it's, like, kind of what we were talking about with the Keegan stuff, right? Of who are the other two next to him? And it's, like, you right. probably need another guy Keegan's size,
2: really. Yeah, HB. I mean, I guess
1: hard. HB kind of like that, right? But- yeah, he's like
2: six seven ish, but um, you don't really think of HB as like a taller, uh, longer defender, um, right? But yeah, he he definitely mentioned too, um, weak side guys being more aware of the ball and not really like falling asleep, so you can be ready to rotate, how you mentioned earlier. So that's something I think they definitely need to improve on as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and part of this is part keyword is
1: luck, you know, yeah. like bad luck opponent wide open threes. The worst shot that you could give up in basketball, right? The Kings give up 21st most 17.6 a game. So you what? That's the 10th least. Like that's a good number, right? I mean, and you know, you you'd have to really dive into like how many of those dudes are good shooters compared to not good shooters to really get down to that. But that's a solid number but they give up 43% of wide open threes and yeah. it is easily worst in the league. And, and for reference, like you look at New York is second, they give up 42. They're ninth in defense. Like mm-hmm. they're a good defense. There's just an aspect of like, our dude's going to hit their open shots. Yeah. And so that there is some bad luck involved here, but I don't think it helps when you let a dude get going early you know, what I mean, I feel like a lot of times it's like, OK, he's probably just feeling himself right now because the Kings let him get going a little bit early.
2: Yeah, bro. And as you mentioned that, too, first thing that comes to mind is Devin. So he right. yeah, uh, I mean, he's a he's a pretty good three point shooter. He can get a bucket when he wants, but he almost had uh, I believe his career high is like 36 or something like that. And they thir- like, I want to say it was like a couple of Thursdays ago whenever they played. Um, they were coming into the game as the worst three point shooting team. And for the first quarter, I forgot what they were, but they didn't miss too often. And I mean, it went on throughout the game where Devin clearly was feeling himself early and continued to do that throughout the game. and was just knocking shots down. He was cooking. He's cooking. Cooking. I I do love a cell. Yeah, he's a bucket. He has a super high release, too, which is funny. Yeah. Um, but he, he was cooking, bro. Shout out uh, shout out Avery. I'm pretty sure Avery
1: old media relations uh covered him at FSU. Oh,
2: okay. Shout-out so, Avery.
1: Vassell, uh Vassell, I, I dude, I loved Vassell at the time of the draft too. It was uh I think he was the same draft as Tyrese, and Vassell was the dude I was like locked in on for the Kings, and then Tyrese fell, obviously. I think he went one pick after Tyrese, if I'm remembering that right. Um, but yeah, I mean that definitely does need to get cleaned up, and I, I think that's probably the biggest thing for the Kings defensively in this final. I think we got 28 games Mm -hmm. or so remaining and that i mean it it falls under everything like the physicality they talk about multiple efforts and all this stuff for sure but specifically cleaning up those closeouts and i I think it is mainly that like awareness knowing beforehand what your rotation is going to be and kind of being on it because i I mean they're uh, they're up against it again they don't have the size they don't have like defenders like that really yeah like what
2: you'd say Keegan is Keegan best defender are we going Davion? Uh, I
1: know that's your boy
2: yeah I mean shout out Davion always but based on defensive rating I think Fox is the best defender yeah Um, I want to do like air quotes because he does he has been playing pretty well um Dorte comes off the bench and plays pretty well but Keegan right now probably is the most versatile guy um and while we are on this topic I gotta gotta give some love to Chris because Um, obviously he's doing all of this in limited minutes. He's logged a decent amount of DMPs this season. Um, kind of been in and out of the rotation, but as of late uh, against the Clippers, he, when he was a primary defender, he, or opposing players shot four of 15. And then last night they were three of 11. So that's pretty solid. He does, I think, decent at the point of attack and, um, yeah, kudos to him for being ready and being able to lock in when you're not consistently in that that rotation. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I want to get to De'Aaron here, but I used to play with a segment on here called
1: Pulse Performer. After every game, we would name yes, one. Sir. It's a little it's a little much. I don't think we're gonna go every game. I think what we're gonna plan is just every pot. We're gonna shout somebody out. Yeah. So your Pulse Performer was Chris Dwarf. i I like been playing well recently i'm gonna go kevin herter i think kevin herter's been balling recently i the thing i always point out with kevin is how much he runs Mm -hmm. even full court half court like but specifically half court because everybody runs in the open court right Right. he's gonna get his ass to the corner and space the floor flatten defense out but half court like that dude is sprinting yesterday. Him and Duncan Robinson matched up with each other. I'm like, bro, I could never even track me. No. I couldn't be either one of these dudes. You got me messed up. You think I'm <laughs> running through all those screens? Kevin's I mean, cutting his ass off, probably not even getting the ball. Yeah, and then on the other end, you got to go chase Duncan doing the same thing. Like, oh, I, I think Kevin runs his ass off yeah. every possession, and and he's shooting the three ball well now. You know, he started tough. Um, but you go even back the last 19 games, right? 51% from the field, 43% from three on six and a half a game, right around like 14 points. I, I think that he's looked pretty close to some of the best versions of like Kevin Herter we saw last year. And and his uh his spacing is so important. Like the big, the big growth last year was or you could really see the difference of having a Kevin having a Malik and having Keegan out there and that spacing that they give Fox and Domas, I, I think it's been really big. So those two dudes have been balling. You think Chris going to stick around for a little while in this rotation? Uh, you mean like,
2: uh, Ro- like rotation this year? Rotation. I think he should, obviously the shot is a big thing. Can, can you knock down open threes, contested threes? Um, so if he continue or if he, he picks it up a little bit there, I think he could be a solid rotational piece. Um so I'll talk to you on the soundboard though, too. I'm there's trying, there's bro. I'm trying. To, you know, I
0: got,
2: I, I'm gonna need some feedback and comments of like sound levels yeah. and
1: stuff. We're working through this, you know. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah. And, and I, I err on the side of too quiet than too loud to start, you know. So we we gonna we're gonna find out. I'm that playing with loud. it. I'm playing with it, you know. Um appreciate you, appreciate you. Uh, but De'Aaron has been playing really well too. And, and I mentioned, I asked you like the kind of who are the best defenders because I feel like after those, what four we mentioned, mm-hmm. bro, take your pit. You know what I mean? Like Ke- Keon's fine. Keon yeah. and Kessler are good. They got their offensive limitations that will probably make it tough for them to get out there. And, and the same thing. You know what I mean? Like that backup one, you really could go either way. Um, but I, I think that De'Aaron Fox that clip that clippers game man was they were showing him so much love post game talking about how he changed that game defensively the on-ball pressure with at at point of attack with james Harden, bro pissed off the aaron is is different when he got that t he got a look in his eye
2: yeah pissed off the Aaron might really be the best De'Aaron. and it might be he's uh i mean he has conversations without the or with the rest throughout the game and um yeah, I mean, he he got to a point where he was skipping. We we've, we've talked about that before like he'll knock a shot down and then start skipping around the court and you know that's it's how you know. That that's point. how you know, bro. Yeah. And, I mean and even there were a couple possessions down the stretch I want to say where he was on Kawhi and I mean, you get Kawhi in the post, good luck honestly. Um but De'Aaron kind of held his ground a little bit and played pretty pretty solid defense against him as well. So, um yeah, that T had him pissed off, and he was hooping after that. Yeah, on, on both ends, really, and I think defensively, him setting
1: the tone is big. Like that, mm-hmm. that point of attack, you're going to be the first dude, and I, I think it gets infectious. You know, um, like Kevin and Malik, I, I think have their moments recently of like they're they're playing. You know, I think Malik yeah. had two blocks yesterday, but I wasn't even that like um, charges blocks. You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, but he he sat there and he tried to take it. And yeah, last year He not- had zero charges and coach had been on him about it.
2: <laughs> I definitely feel that as as a hooper myself at the time, like I was not taking anybody's charge. Um, but he tried to stand in there a couple of times against Kevin Love last night. And it looked like he was kind of in the restricted area, moving a little bit on on the first one. But um, just his willingness to even try that is that, that feels like growth from last season from a league.
1: Yeah, and I feel like De'Aaron does really set that tone, and you look back at his last five games, Fox. He he's cooking, man. Like those two pre All Star break, of mm. he has a forty ball against Denver, of uh, against Phoenix, he has a thirty eight and eight against Denver, and then post All Star break, you go twenty eight against San twenty eight nine and five against San Antonio, you go right. thirty three seven and six against the Clippers last night tough game for him but 27 points, 6 assists, 8 boards, 3 steals in there. It's so seven turnovers though. That was a a season high for him and that Miami zone was just nasty. Um the their press like falling back into the zone. They do that like 2-2-1 two, two, press, right? Fall yeah. back into like I think it's a 3-2. But half I, really of the time, like it. I don't even really know, which is why Spo is crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, we we've talked about this. I'm I'm a Heat fan at heart, so it was nice to see, um, but obviously you, you want to see um, the Kings kind of figure things out eventually. But back to De'Aaron, though, bro, like part of what has made this stretch so impressive to me is like Domas is usually the one initiating offense. He's the one getting the majority of the assists. And De'Aaron has picked his assists up at this point. Um, hasn't dropped below five during this stretch we're talking about and then defensively you talk about him kind of um making it infectious for the rest of the guys and he hasn't had below two steals in this stretch so um don't know where he went i think he said he goes to socal somewhere for for all-star break but wherever he went bro it was amazing for him and he seems to really be locked in now yeah and he's a dude that gets beat up like yeah it, i even noticed
1: like he's always like showing refs like Marks yeah. on his hands and stuff.
2: I'm like, bro, you get marked
1: up hella easy or what? Like,
2: Yeah, he's – I think it's probably people just, like, digging at the ball or whatever. But yeah, he constantly is, like – he's holding me. Like, he, last night at some point, I think DeLon was guarding him. And uh he was, like, he's hugging me or something like that. And I'm, like, yeah, he's constantly talking to the refs. Yeah. And, and he just gets beat up throughout the season. I, I think it was, like, his second year he had this
1: grade three ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. And he came back probably a little sooner than maybe would have been best and he's just been kind of dealing with ankle stuff since then i think like joining under armor i I think the braces played a part a little bit those curry braces that are crazy De'Aaron wears the same ones those shoes Mm -hmm. fit that well Um, but he had the ankle injury earlier this year he had a shoulder injury earlier this year that definitely had been bothering him and I, i still think lingers a little bit and then now even shit most recently he just banged knees in that Miami game it was either Hawkes or Highsmith and I like posted the clip you can't even really tell Mm -hmm. um too much but he's clearly limping after and now he's questionable for tomorrow's game in Denver but it it felt like with how much he had slowed down after his ridiculous start to the year putting up 30 balls left and right Right. literally averaging it that like almost like the dog days were kind of getting to him and he was a little bit beat up but do you, do you feel like there's been like that energy back from beginning
2: of the year, De'Aaron? Definitely, and you mentioned it like he's played through things, and I think hasn't been completely forthcoming like hell as man. other people have. Yeah, like bro. Those, yet yesterday dude. he's walking out the room, and James Ham
1: asks him like, "Your your uh, your knee good?" He's yeah. like, "Yeah, I just banged ankles or uh, banged uh, knees," and I'm like, "Bro, even if he wasn't good, he ain't gonna tell us." And yeah, I don't expect him to tell us. That's because he's a, a fighter, you know what I mean? But right. he ain't going to tell us.
2: Yeah, I mean, he he's a hooper at heart. That's part of what makes him special. Um, he tries to play through injuries. And at this point, he seems to have found that rhythm. Uh, hopefully, the knee situation isn't really like a lingering type thing. Um, but, I mean, bro, he's he's definitely, aside from the dunks, I kind of do miss like open court dunks and maybe Same. a little windmill here and there. Yeah. Um, he, I, know, he's I like, know Malik be on him for that for sure. got to be, bro, because he's de- He's clearly preserving himself, I think, for like later in the season. Um, but he definitely, Mark Jones is on the broadcast calling him spry. So I, I'll go with that. He's been looking spry and fresh lately. Yeah,
1: I, I like it spry, yeah. You can't go wrong with quoting Mark Jones.
2: Can't, you bro. Know? It's always going to work. Because um, we all know what Malik means in Arabic, bro. Yeah,
1: true, <laughs> true. <laughs> reminder here and there don't hurt you know it is always fun turning on a national broadcast where he's like covering some other game and mark just be sneaking king
2: stuff in there Leather, yeah bro right, I love bro? it you got I no shame it. i love it he'll make sure he constantly is putting the kings on
1: yeah it, it's fire it's cool mark is uh, mark is great mark pointed out to me yesterday that uh spo has never won a coach of the year
2: said, uh yeah bro it's crazy. disgusting honestly
1: that is nasty
2: yeah i don't know what he's done that has pissed the league off office off but like at some point he needs to be acknowledged he's he's clearly like i won't say head and shoulders above everyone but he's in the elite coaching class yeah for sure like yeah top of my mind like pop tyloo
1: you know it's it's a short list it might stop there you know
2: it definitely might i think uh Dagnall is pretty good, but it's he's yeah. like still really young. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, Finch is good. Then, there's definitely
1: good guys. Like, I I think that there's another good tier that Mike Brown probably falls into, you know? I was about uh, to ask
2: where you were going to put Mike, but
1: yeah, he, he probably around like Finch and Dagnall and those mm-hmm. guys, you know? I can see it. I think that's fair. Um, But uh, on De'Aaron, like, I feel like when he's cooking, uh, as we mentioned, defensively, he's setting the tone. Offensively, when he's aggressive, I mean, he, he can do whatever he wants out there, and that opens mm-hmm. up the game for for everybody else. But I, I kind of feel like this team goes as far as De'Aaron takes them. Like, to me, that's my big – maybe one of my bigger X factors of this team is just, like, what version of De'Aaron Fox is going to show up on any given night. And yeah. I, I was kind of surprised. I kind of looked at some of these games. They've lost every game where Fox has had at least five t- turnovers. It's only three of them, yeah. including last night against Miami two and eight in the games where he has four plus turnovers and in games where he has less than two they're 10 and two and you know the the scoring is going to be there but i I think him taking care of the ball is Mm -hmm. really important for this team but i I think that part of the reason i think he's such the x factor is because the highs like domas is consistent right Right. you'll have some nights like even last night against miami i'm like i probably could take him more than eight shots and things like that right but he's still putting up a triple-double and, and doing everything out there. You know what you're getting every single night. I think De'Aaron, the h- lows are lower, but the highs are higher. You know what I mean? There's there's more variance. And yeah. I think when you get best version of De'Aaron Fox is when you get best version of the Kings.
2: Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly saying the the lows are lower than anyone else. Not anyone else, but like in this case, it's kind of between him and Domas. right? And the highs are higher than Domas's, so um hats off to Domas for being a model of consistency like you said and um I think Keegan definitely could kind of become more of an x-factor depending on where he is offensively um but just De'Aaron being as aggressive as he has been lately like the attention he draws makes it easier for other guys to score and get get going so um I'm with you hundred percent on him being the biggest X factor and leading this team wherever he decides to leave him. After Fox and Domas, mm-hmm.
1: who do you feel like most comfortable relying on offensively? Like if you go into a game and you're like, all right, we know what we're getting Fox and Domas. Yeah. Who's the next dude that you're like, I feel best about. I know what I'm getting.
2: Probably Malik. Yeah. I I, I want to say Keegan, um, because we're starting to see more of it. Pretty sure he had 28 last night. Um, And when he's that locked in, he looks like he could be possibly the second option on this team. But Malik, there's something about him having like a knack for big moments. He could be quiet the entire game. And then when the game is kind of getting close, they're down the stretch. They need somebody to get a bucket, especially when Fox isn't on the floor. I think Malik just, he relishes the moment, bro. Like, he he loves being in those situations. So for those reasons, I'll say I, I'll go Malik right now with, like, friends could be Keegan a little bit. Yeah, it, it's definitely those two, right? Mm-hmm.
1: And after that, it's like you hope you get something from one of Kevin or Harrison, you know? Yeah. But re- really, I kind of look at it as, like, you know, you, Again, you know what you're getting, De'Aaron Domas, hypothetically. I know, obviously, what we just said about De'Aaron, a little up and down. But those other four dudes, when you're talking Kevin, Harrison, Malik, Keegan, like, I need two of them to be on on yeah. any given night, pretty much. And and sometimes that don't happen. Like last night, Malik struggled against Miami already. Right? He has six points. Mm-hmm. And Kings are, I, I looked at this earlier today, 16 games that Malik has scored single digits. What do you think the record is?
2: Uh, fourteen and two. Nah, well, we talking lower, my guy. When when oh, Malik oh, is oh, single oh, digits, oh, you said single digits. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll say five and nine, four and ten, maybe. Yeah, six and ten, six, six and ten? ten. Oh, you said six? Okay, clearly, yeah, Matthew's sixteen. Now nah, you, you good. good. I just two. threw that at you. You chilling? <laughs> um,
1: yeah, six and ten in in the sixteen games Malik is under in single digits. Yeah. like and i, I to me because I, I think uh, with same as you that malik should be that third guy and it's tough on nights when he's not and one mm-hmm. of those other ones aren't really rolling and and i want to go into a Q&A side which was a little earlier today and gonna go through some of those and i think this first one um works a little bit for that and it ryan from Sacktown, shout out twitter Asked a uh, reason for less offensive sets this season, the lack of high low action with Domas and starting forwards. They seem to have a nice advantage. there. some nights you the forwards sometimes get less than six shots combined in the first half. Um, kind of similar in my mind with this question from a uh, Iowa Kings fan TJ. I, I'm reading out names just so y'all know. We, we ain't doing, we're doing handles, not names. Yes, you know yeah. what I mean? I'm gonna get myself in trouble with one of these. Cause there's some, there's a, you, you know, the one that came to mind right away. There's a, there's a Twitter dude that, um, yeah, I was debating if I should say this, but his name is Pat Phoenix. Okay. <laughs> I, it, I like how I'm sitting here saying I'm going to put myself in a tough situation by being able to do this yeah, and then just that? spill it. it? And then hot. just spill it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but Iowa Kings fan TJ also asked one time against the Suns, Keegan waved off a screen so he could take Nurk off the dribble. Uh, he's never done that again. Do you think he has been empowered to be aggressive as we wish or as he w- as we wish he would be? Or do you think the vets are keeping him, quote, unquote, in his place? I think that the equal opportunity offense just like has its pros and cons. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That if somebody's rolling there, it's not really like, okay, we're going to go keep feeding that hot hand. Right. It's, it's all in the flow of the offense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And And there was like a stretch earlier this year where Harrison's not playing well, but Keegan is. And then you see, Oh, Harrison started playing well, but that's meant less shots for Keegan. And I really right. think that it's like, who is going into that game with a more aggressive mindset and, and sure mismatches too. they're, they're trying to look at mismatches, right. And and take advantage of that, but it's all kind of like naturally in the flow. And I almost wonder if they should run some more play calls sometimes. Like I think Chris Biederman yesterday was asking me, like, do you think they run enough pick and roll just straight up pick and roll for De'Aaron and Domas? Just those two guys. I'm like, probably not to be honest. Like I'm not saying all the time, but and it's not that they never do it, they'll empty out a side and they kind of do it smoothly in the flow, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that they could do a little more, you know, straight up this is a play, we're running this to get yeah. a Keegan post up, for example, which Keegan post up's kind of been a meme this year with coach. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, what what have you thought about how that free flowing offense works and specifically when it comes to maybe a guy's rolling and how that affects that?
2: Yeah, I think the – I'm first off with you on the fact that there could be a little – like, I I wouldn't be mad at more uh, play calls being ran, but, like, for example, Keegan last night had 15 in the first half, finished with 28, but, like, I probably would have came out of halftime specifically running sets for him to try to maximize him being as hot as he was, Um, and – I mean we, we've talked to coach about it he's aware that like HB some nights really might not have any plays drawn up for him so he kind of just has to get in the flow of the offense which like you said comes with pros and cons but I wouldn't be mad at more high horn sets it seems like they constantly get something decent out of that whether it's the roller or whoever um, pops out for the, the shot or De'Aaron kind of getting to the bucket or mid-range so I would want to see more of that, but like you said, there are advantages to just being unpredictable and the less you are in sets and, and constantly doing the same plays over and over. It's like probably more difficult for teams to scout you as well. Like they have so many options out of the DHOs. You can do backdoor cuts. You can deny the screen and go the opposite way. Um, you can come off and you have like, I think Malik has probably the best chemistry in pick and roll situations as a ball handler. Um, so there's, there's plenty of options, but I personally would probably like a little bit more, more set stone in. It's de- it's definitely pros and
1: cons. Cause like, like you're saying, it makes you super unpredictable. It, it feels very much like Mike's playing for the postseason here. And that's what, yeah. co- that's what Mike Brown does. Like, everything specifically this season everything right. is geared towards how can we be better in the playoffs and i think they want to be unpredictable like like you said um so it, it definitely i understand it and i think it's mainly a positive thing and kings offense has been good but it, like I, I wouldn't mind it a little bit more right next one we got here distant meadows how do you see the kings oh, in, ending the season realistically and optimistically let's go optimistic first if we had to do, I, I took this as regular season standings. Um, maybe, maybe let's do both. Optimistically, where you think they could finish in the regular season and how far could they go?
2: Optimistically, I would say possibly fifth seed if they close out the way they hope to and want to, and come postseason, my my like. Putting on complete optimism hat here you get to the second round that's maybe a little bit pessimistic while i'm trying to be optimistic here but like a second round uh series to me is a huge win i think so too i i think that
1: uh, definitely five seed for optimistic regular season i think it's most real like the best possible outcome right now that's still realistic right there's a game i oh god this is updating because game's going on game and a half now between five to eight with new orleans phoenix sack and, and dallas but kings are four and a half behind the clippers for example in fourth so really we're talking somewhere probably five to eight or you know if you want to go doomsday you drop down to 10 where warriors and lakers are two and a half behind the eight seed but
2: i, I think there's I think there's a world to get to the Western Conference Finals, bro. Oh, talk to me. See, that's... I think there's I, I was, a world. Like, I didn't want to say it, but I was like, possibly. I, I think there's a world, bro. Like, think about like Atlanta going to Eastern Conference
1: Finals type of thing, or like when Portland mm-hmm. did it a couple years ago. Um, say they're a five. And... Okay. I mean, there ain't no great matchup in that first round, right? But... Yeah let's say let's say denver right which okay. i actually do not like denver uh, as a matchup i know kings are 3-0 people feeling good yeah bro don't give me the chance. don't give me the champs but let's say let's say they get out of the first round right mm-hmm. and again i know it's already a big if second round are we talking like you're probably playing the one seed if you're the four five it'd be the one eight matchup that you're up against and they go yeah. up against Minnesota, OKC, like, they got a shot. That's, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm not betting on it. But I think there's no, a world think. where things roll right. You could you could mess around and end up in conference finals.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't think they really fear any team in the West, maybe minus the Pelicans. But the – I don't know. Like, I, they've beaten the Thunder. They've beaten – uh the Wolves, I want to say, earlier this season when they were in Minnesota. Um, so I don't think there's really any fear factor with any of these teams that they might play. So I, I, I'm looking at the standings, bro, and I'm like, I'm kind of ready to jump on the bandwagon and say super optimistically, possibly conference finals. But for sure, I, I would say like second round berth, yeah. we, we get some motion there and that could be something. Second round is still a
1: crazy successful season and definitely uh optimistic. The uh yeah, I'm definitely going pie in the sky with my Western Conference Finals. You know, what I'm saying like we got like a five percent chance we talking about here. Yeah. Uh what about realistically? What, what what do you think we're gonna
2: end up talking about? Um I could see six seed. I would say definitely try to avoid playing at all costs, obviously um but i'm i'm like six seven seed. honestly um is there anybody in this like five to eight that you think is
1: like the five
2: um you're saying like specifically that team or like which five like like just between new orleans
1: phoenix sack dallas Mm -hmm. is there like a clear best team there to you when it comes to like where you're going to finish regular season, because I think Phoenix yeah. is best post season. Right. But
2: I think there's so much up in the air with the Pelicans as always feels like we've been saying this for a couple of years, just with health. Um, but if they are completely healthy, I do like them. Um, and you could almost say the same for the Suns, bro. Like Brad Beal has had a tough season. His back, he like, I want to say was wearing a mask at one point. Not really sure if he broke his nose, whatever happened, but like, they seem to have issues with him being healthy. Nurk is kind of in that same boat. Um, between those two, I would say either the Pelicans or Suns, when healthy, are the best of the bunch for the fifth seed. Um, but, yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to say with them constantly being injured.
1: It's super tough. Like, I have no clue on any of this five to eight. And yeah. it's going to be – you know after every end of every night all right what's the standings look like now and that's that's a fun time of the year for sure but it also could be a little stressful for some Kings fans for sure i think it's already getting to people a little bit Um, right but i get it and and i think realistically i like a six seed maybe just because i'm hoping to believe we're not talking about the play-in and i think they're probably a first round out more likely than not say you're Say you're six right now. You're going up against Denver, or you're five. You're going up against the Clippers. Like I'm not favoring the Kings in either one of those matchups. Obviously, I don't think anybody is, right. but I I'd like. I'd feel pretty good saying that the Kings are going to lose that, and I think that's okay as long as you're not getting smacked.
2: You know. Yeah, make it respectable. Um, but I, I'm realistically there with you too. I didn't even get to the to the postseason part of it, but I very much am with you um you would want to see him do well and uh make it out of that that first round clearly they were close last year but um i don't know i don't i personally don't see them getting out of that first round this year
1: yeah and and it goes into one of these other questions uh from threads alex lenburner we got alex len in here um, shout um out. is there a top four team in the west the kinks can't beat in round one and if not what's the worry Like they could, they could, you know, but Mm. I don't feel, and also another question that kind of fits, I don't know, I'm probably going to end up dropping doing these names eventually. George S. Muller, 22. I'm not mad at
2: giving them credit.
1: All right, you're right, you're right. Uh, What do you think the Kings, who do you think the Kings have the best chance against in the playoffs? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't feel particularly better about too many of these. I like, OkC in Minnesota to be honest because just the lack of postseason experience, but Minnesota' right. size is really tough, really tough to deal with. It's yeah. probably OKC that I like the best and like sure the Kings could be any of these teams, but I really I mean it's really Denver and the Clippers for me that I think are just two best teams in the West. And then if you get to postseason like Phoenix if if they're healthy, I don't really want nothing to do with that, but like they they could beat these top four teams. But
2: just like they could get to the conference finals, you know? <laughs> right, right? Right, yeah, bro. I'm like, I would have to agree with the Thunder being the team that probably have the best chance against. Um, I don't want to see defending champs if I'm them. Uh, the Clippers seem to be since December one of the best teams in the league, they're like finding their rhythm after kind of like working out the kinks and yeah man like the Timberwolves and it's hard to bet against him at this point he was kind of dealing with injuries I think last season during the postseason and um maybe wasn't at his full potential but they seem serious this year um and as I'm saying that like SGA is on the screen kind of going crazy right now so We'll see how they would do against the Thunder, but that's also a really, really good team. So yeah. And a lot to say, George. Um, probably OKC. I'd probably go that too. And selfishly, I would
1: love to watch De'Aaron and SGA go at it. Oh, I swear that De'Aaron is not far from being SGA's level. I really don't think it's that far. I know SGA more consistent. He's getting them up more. I, I don't think that that, that they're, they're that far apart. And also, by on D, a little bet on De'Aaron earlier, he he said earlier this year he wants to be a dude that averages two steals, right? And I think the only yeah. guy doing that right now might be SGA. Maybe De'Aaron's so. at 1.9. Um, and SGA steal numbers are ridiculous. He did earlier in the year, De'Aaron, uh, talk about – this was, it was maybe actually the last couple of weeks – that like, well, you know, all my steals are on the ball, unlike some <laughs> other guys. And I'm like, bro, that's gotta be a shot at SGA. It like, definitely is, That's bro. gotta be a shot.
2: Um, I love but, yeah. the Kentucky Fire, too. Like, um, two Kentucky guys, like, gotcha. I remember last year we were talking to him before a shoot-around against the Thunder, um, kind of just asking about the relationship he has with Shea, and he said that they weren't really that close, but um, he gave him a lot of credit. Obviously, it's a fellow Wildcat, so that would be a, a really good matchup. I'd also like to see them against the Sun somehow. Those games this season have been pretty fire. Yeah, I'd definitely be down. Um,
1: actually, I guess what about playing? Who scares you most in the playing? Like, let's say right now.
2: No, just who who would scare you most in a playing game? Ah, uh, man, probably the Mavericks really um might be bro like okay obviously braun hey okay well it's tough bro because bro, warriors lakers are kind of like there that's really want to see
1: step for braun
2: yeah i said that and then i'm like looking looking two spots down like uh, i don't know bro because some it seems like steph just loves playing against the kings um keegan we mentioned he he found his confidence against him but The amount of playoff experience that both of these teams have, it would be hard to go against them. Um, And then my first thought saying the Mavs, bro, is just Luka being a dog and kind of doing what he does seems like every postseason. Um, In the first round, anyway, considering this would be playing. But, bro, I I wouldn't want to see any of them if I were the Kings. Like, they at all costs need to avoid playing. I agree. Playing is scary, bro. Like Western Conference, I, I know your Bulls or your
1: your Bulls, your Heat just like the like bro, finals he, 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 off the play in, but yeah. I, I don't want to take that path. Literally in a play-in game, I will refuse to guess who wins the game. It is one game that is going yeah. to be the most chaotic shit, crazy, and that, that, like there's nights we talked about luck with three point shooting earlier. Say you just can't shoot one night, or say you know. You're playing the Warriors and Dario Saric hits four threes. Oh, you know, I watched Kelly Olenek cook in a game seven, <laughs> cook
2: bro. and send John That's Paul Bradley Beal home, bro. bro. Yeah,
1: cook anything, anything could happen in one game.
2: I will say though, if there were a, a playing situation at Golden One, um, only thing I could think about is the game seven last year against the Warriors and how crazy that energy was there. Um if there's like a one game winner takes all situation, Golden 1 would be nuts, bro. It'd go wild. It, I mean, obviously you would the yeah, Kings fans would want them to win, but just being in that atmosphere would be pretty crazy. And I think that if Golden State LA stay at that 9-10, that
1: you better win that first playing game cuz right Hell so seven-eight yeah. matchup and the winner of that makes it and then the loser would play the winner of the nine ten. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're seven or eight, you gotta lose two games. Yeah. Miami lost their first last year, right? And then won the second.
2: Took it to the Eastern Conference Finals, bro. So wild. Bro. Really out here. So wild. <laughs> so wild. The most heat culture shit ever, but whatever, bro. Crazy. Um yeah, yeah, bro. I, like, I'm I'm good on the playing, bro. Same. And at first too, I remember just giving Adam Silver some love. Like I was like, bro, why are we messing with the playoffs? Why are we doing Same. this? And clearly this shit is is competitive. It creates um just an extras extra sense of urgency for all these teams down the stretch. So kudos to Adam for this. Yeah, it's definitely worked out. Um be entertaining, but definitely would be stressful and not
1: a situation that you want to be in. Yeah. Next one we got. How do, do I say this? Ba to the ba. B A to the ba that's what we're going with have you seen any netflix personnel films personnel or film crews following sabonis around for the upcoming series i will say i think they were in golden state last time we were in golden state okay I think um domas can't talk about it he's gotten asked about it and it's pretty clear right. he just cannot talk about it i don't know if that means they're still like going through decision-making process if if he's actually locked into that i don't think there's ever been confirmation of that necessarily outside of kind of that rumor um i believe it was just a rumor rather than confirmation but i haven't really seen it i haven't really seen
2: it i think in golden state i saw it but you you haven't noticed anything have you i have seen a couple uninterrupted hats at okay at at golden one um don't know if those are people filming for domas but i'm pretty sure he definitely has has made the cut and will be a part of it
1: i could see it La- last night before the game he had his kids courtside which doesn't yeah. usually happen pre-game and bro it's crazy actually I, it feels really weird you know some some of this media stuff feels really weird and like right. invasive you know what i mean yeah um but he goes and picks up his kid and, he, and he's messing around he's got the most good looking kid ever by the way like yeah, the bro. blue eyes and everything i'm yeah. like damn, yeah, like OK, um, but, he, he, you know, he's doing Domas making an arm with his hoops and his kids shooting through it and things like that. And there are so many cameras that go up on him just right. as he's just hanging out with his kid. And it's like, you know, it would make I don't know if he made NBA TV last night or what. Right. But um, yeah, who knows? Oh, and, and so now I'm everywhere
2: you about like that last game you were talking about in Golden State. I'm pretty sure his wife and say De'Aaron's wife were both yep. in the impressive That didn't happen all of last season. Right. Um, it's a regular season game. It went well, obviously, but like you can kind of see some of that stuff building up to maybe be like De'Aaron with I mean not De'Aaron to bonus with his new family, his his young kids being a part of all of this. Right. Um so I, I could definitely see something like that lining up. Yeah, we're gonna have to see if if Pops makes it out to a game, you know? legend arvidas and people that'd be crazy
1: it would go crazy um yeah so we'll see and you also threw in here what are some of those uh potential storylines i don't know but i do know that there's going to be a fire backdrop of a winery domas all about his wine oh. in napa <laughs> and you know oh, that yeah. man's gonna have a, a big glass of wine
2: next to him he's got a gorgeous
1: winery view behind him and that, that's all i'm really looking
2: for yeah shouts out sam sam amick on that one the The story he put together on on Delmas. But, man, being able to, like, you you get to be part-time in Napa, part-time in LA, that's some nice stuff he got going on there. It's Solid. It's a solid setup. Um, Other one we got in here, Meg.
1: What's up, Meg, from Threads. Uh, Any news on Sasha's return date? And kind of, I, I had been wondering and needing to check up on this anyways. It was the 10th, February 10th, that Sasha sprained his right ankle. It was during a practice. Actually, the couple week or so before that, he also rolled his left ankle, was out for a game or two. Um, Mm -hmm. He had rolled that same right one earlier. This is a third ankle thing Sasha's dealing with, and this was a grade three, obviously. Um, But on the 10th, they said four to six weeks until reevaluation. That don't mean playing. It means reevaluation. It could mean playing, but Mm -hmm. it could mean not. Um, Four weeks is on the 9th. So we got about a week and a half. There's five games till then. Six week timeline would be on the 23rd. There's 13 games if you include the day of, uh, the day of the six week mark. But we only got 27 left in this season. You know, like I kind of feel like this, depending on how his recovery is, and the fact that he was already on the real fringe of the rotation, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't shock me honestly if we don't like see
2: him again this year. Really. Same, because it's hard to get somebody integrated back into things when you're comfortable with the rotations you have now. Um, you mentioned he was he was kind of in and out of the rotation throughout the season, but if you don't get back sooner than later, it might be hard to get him back into the swing of things when, when it's like money on the line playoff time.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Um, she also asked, curious if we think JaVale's out of the rotation. Just just out of the rotation. Um the day that I'm forgetting what game this was. There was a game Alex Lem was out, and instead of going to Javale, they just went to Trey. Mm. And Trey Lyles at that back of five. And and I think we've been seeing that a little bit more, but I do feel like we see Trey at that back of five when other teams are small, like right. Kevin Love yesterday, or you want to go Daniel Tice with the Clippers. I think like Obi Toppin on um on Indiana or like Sarich with the warriors. Like it feels like they kind of match that size, but I think Alex should just be the backup five personally. And, but I, I don't think that we just never see a JIT fail again. I, I think that coach thinks that there are unique things that he provides. He gets out of screens quick. He's got that lob threat for Malik. He does mm-hmm. the air shots around the rim. I think he's just like an intimidating presence low key down there with his size length and agility. And you never know if he's just going to fall on you because he's just tripping. Um, But I like, I think it should just be Alex. Um, And I'll also throw in like, at this point I kind of would just roll with Davion at that backup one. You know, I think that the backup one and five, there's been a lot of questions of like, okay, Davion or Keon and then Alex or Bale, And maybe you throw Trey Lyles in there, or maybe you throw Malik in there at that one. And it's like, you could play with stuff, but, i kind of think
2: at this point figure out the regulars you know what i mean yeah i i mean i've definitely been on the alex lynn should be backup center kind of vibe for like since last season honestly yeah um and you mentioned javel offers different things that alex and domas don't um I would say definitely the best rim protector on the team. Um, he's hilarious. One, he, he has like energy that the crowd at at Golden One can definitely feed off of. Um, but he's also good for some lapses here and there. So I personally would would roll with Alex. Um, and Trey he he's been huge as far as like small ball five. Um, all the matchups you just mentioned, he's, he's consistent there and he stretches the floor better, obviously than, than Alex and JaVale. Um, looking up some, some Davion stats too. Um, of course you are. Can't really, you know me. Any, bro, anybody bro. ain't know
1: that is Hunter's.
2: <laughs> That's my dog. Hunter's That's dude dog. right there. Yeah, yeah. i, I messed with Davion. He's, he's cool, but, um. He's shooting decently from 3. Um I am not he's by no means like a knockdown kind of guy. Um but last night he was 2 for 3 from 3. Um he went 4 for 4 against OKC a while back, but he he definitely we know what he does on ball defensively. He's great at being a disruptor. Um So yeah, I I I think to the original question, Meg, javel may be out of the lineup for a little bit with situational um opportunities for him yeah
1: and you mentioned Javell being hella funny yesterday in the locker room he's kind of messing around with mason jones after the yeah. game and and they're talking about a bunch of stuff mason jones talking about like why he dyes his hair and he says it's got mm-hmm. to do with like uh he's super into man you in okay. uh in soccer and i think it was like yeah. a little soccer influenced and um uh, I forget what else they were talking. About. They were talking about a bunch of stuff, but like Javale's on him about like, are you sure you're not Mexican, bro? Like you be eating chips and salsa on the plane oh, every God. time we go yeah. anywhere. You be loving your Chipotle. Javale's in there like, I wonder if uh, I wonder if like, you know, authentic people that eat authentic Mexican food actually mess with Chipotle or not. But Javale's just messing around it's like crazy, crazy in the though. locker room, you know? Like what are you yeah. talking about right
2: now, bro? But got got everybody cracking good. up. He's got three chips bro just saying. yeah yeah he's I mean I think he's a solid vet um just in the fact that like he's able to have those conversations and and be a really good locker room guy knowing that he's probably not in the rotation right now and it doesn't really bother him because I think he knew what he signed up for when he when he signed on here so um kudos to him for just being a great vibe guy yeah, yeah.
1: facts need more of them Mason Jones too bro Getting yeah. a T without ever playing is kind of crazy, but That's it's hard, hard. bro. I, I
2: didn't even. That's know. hard. <laughs> I I can't think of anybody else who's been in that situation before, but uh, I mean, he's the most live person on the bench, so gotta love it. Yeah, the the clip of him doing it is so funny, bro. Bro, like ran like all the
1: way out of the court, then like <laughs> runs right back to try to not get seen. It's hella funny. <laughs> coach, coach loves it though. Coach uh, Brown loves his energy. He said yeah. he'll cover the fine for him. Uh, he's, he's all about it. He's all about it. So, you got any uh final stuff here before we go to a little non-basketball overtime? Um, nah, bro. We've been chatting. This is we, yeah. we've been got for sure. Got through a good bit. Got through a good bit. So, for anybody unaware, I always like to close with a non-basketball related topic. You know, get to know us a little better and just just shoot the shit for a sec. Got so, you. basketball is over. We headed to overtime. We're
0: gonna work that with you.
1: Best album that has come out in 2024. Now we still real early, and I will say when I when I pitched this, there were some albums I thought came out this year, and I realized came out end of last year.
2: I have my so, phone in my
1: hand as we speak, bro. I'm trying to get it right. Same too. I it really came down to two for me. I feel like you could guess.
2: Okay. I'm I'm gonna say American Dream is in there for you. Yep, 21. Okay. Um which I still don't feel like I've
1: listened to enough. Like there's the Travis song. What is Mm. it, Nina or whatever? Um, and there's one other in there. I wanna say it's like a thug feature. But there's really only yeah, two he, I've been listening to since
2: I gave that a first listen. That first, the the intro was that's right. probably my favorite song on there. But it's kind of a cheat code because he sampled a really great song. So um, the second one, though, bro, I'm. I, would you you saying Volceers? Okay, I thought about it. I okay. thought about it. And listen, I
1: know Kanye's got his shit. I can't help but listen Definitely when it comes does. out. Um, the. Do you know the song about the uh, the women falling out the sky? You
2: know what I'm talking about? I don't. Okay. Just, I'm uh, going to have to send it to you after. Oh, no, nah, I do. I do. I definitely do. You know do. the crazy-ass yeah, lyrics? Yeah. When you, it's like a long word. Yes. It's and it's like actually just, it just a movie
1: word. line. Yeah. I listened to that shit because I thought it was funny at first. Yeah. And now that be stuck in my head all the time, <laughs> bro. I yeah, I listen around. to like the
2: back half of that album more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that when I first heard, it, I was just like, "Bro, he's in the studio, just having fun." Like he just is doing whatever. Yeah, catchin' off, bro. But let's see. I, I I think my other one though, because it's is it? really,
1: it's probably insaneo. Oh, it's the Kid Cudi. Cudi, okay. The Cudi one did it for me. There's that the song with Travis on. There's really good. Yeah. Um, what were what were some of the other ones on here that I liked? There was another one. But I thought that I thought that more albums had come out this year and didn't I mean obviously I know it's we're still hella early in the year, but yeah, those we were are. really the two for me. I, I think it's I called Funky, Funky Wizard Smoke, actually. Okay. Yeah, Rager Boys with Thug and Funky Wizard Smoke. Oh, and I do got I got two of
2: the Savage ones. I got D not and then I got All of Me is the other one on here. That one is fire. I'm going to have to default. I, I wish we had different ones, bro. I, I didn't want to do, like, same joints. but well, like,
1: I, I realized when I looked through the list. So I was like, we're going to have the same stuff here, actually. Yeah. But.
2: American Dream. I'm not even a huge 21 fan, but just the how replayable it was, like, solid replay value. I wasn't really expecting that from him, but I've been playing that a lot. Um, Did you hear that? Yeah, uh, a lot of the albums I was thinking about, bro, were, like, end of 2023. Like, yeah. I was thinking. Uh, larger Than Life with Brent um, Okay Sampha had a good album At the end of last year but I do really like me some Kid Leroy. Okay That came oh, out in the last
1: year I'll be playing that a lot um, yeah. I will say that new uh, Beyonce country song That oh, bro. in my head Texas Hold'em joint? Yeah this ain't Texas bro Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bro, that was, nice. that was it solid Actually kind of smacks bro it oh, does. Yeah,
2: and you know who else I've been listening to recently is the Hold Up, Hold Up. Since we called oh. him, bro, I'm like the bay and me just came out. When, when in reference to music, I'm always more like slaps and food is like smacks. That's fair. You
1: No, you're right, you're right, I you, I, I, I you. you're right, you're right. I usually actually try to be pretty picky with that too, but you copy slip in. I get you, yeah,
2: bro. You and that's like the first time I've heard you do that, so I was like, nah, this is this is like just a mental lapse i gotta i gotta tap in oh my god
1: it's it's definitely a thing i actually appreciate you because i listened to that too way more than i should you know it's like a super od bay thing yeah. like, there's no reason to be so odd what about this but yeah, we bro, are. i didn't have to do it honestly no you had to though you had to though I, i'd be more annoyed if you didn't so i'm with you um other dude i've been listening to a little bit recently is this uk dude dave you know what i'm talking about okay i don't think so pretty solid pretty solid I, i'm getting a little ting to me you know
2: <laughs> okay try <laughs> <laughs> trying to culture myself out here bro nah, i feel you i feel you so i'm about That's it you, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to look him up or you can send me some of his stuff because i'm not i got him. you i feel like I i'm it. listening to the same shit honestly yeah um like it was like the anniversary i forget how many years of futures hendrix project and i've been listening to that a ton um Bro, I've been going back to, like, old, like, Pac, actually. Okay. I feel like I haven't done
1: that in forever, you know? Yeah. Oh, there's another one that came out, actually. Have you heard this? It's All Is Yellow. It's a lyrical lemonade album. Oh, man. I've heard a few songs from that, but I haven't listened, like, top to bottom. I forgot about that, actually. There's, like, two, three on there that I like. There's Fly Away, Hello There, Fallout. This one was actually pretty good. There's also a... uh, Eminem song in here where he disses Benzino again damn and bro I had never looked into like the history of that whole beef Mm -hmm. like did
2: you see the drink champs thing recently with Benzino yeah bro because I was about to say like I saw him talking about (laughs) Paul Pierce um and I was like I had no clue Benzino was really moving like that bro I I couldn't even tell you what like before this past week you could show me a picture I would not have known who Benzino is I'm not gonna lie yeah bro he's like not who I would think of when I'm thinking nah. about like real activities like that, which right. is hilarious. It, bro, that
1: interview is so funny because some dudes clip it just right where at the beginning, he's all, fuck Eminem. Like, I'm going to go down as the Eminem killer and blah, blah, blah. That's and crazy. then at the end, he's crying, bro, because drink champs, anybody that don't know, they'll ask you like, um, pock or biggie? And you don't want to answer the question. Mm-hmm. You got to take a shot. And uh, Benzino, maybe should have chilled a little bit and answered a couple more really? questions. Cause he <laughs> might've got a little faded by the end. And bro is like, like not the best look, just crying, ranting Damn. after starting with fuck Eminem. I'm the Eminem killer. By the end of it, he's like, everybody just asked me about Eminem. I'm tired of talking about it. I, was like, <laughs> bro, bro,
2: I gotta watch this so now.
1: bad, bro.
2: It oh is so goodness. funny. Actually. It was wild. It was wild. That's but yeah, I'm i literally I, as I, soon as we finish this, I'm I'm tapping in with that because that sounds. It. I hate to say it, but it sounds <laughs> hilarious. It is so
1: entertaining. And now my whole TikTok feed is just Benzino, Eminem shit. And oh yeah, I got you. yeah. It happens. It happens. But um, appreciate you doing this, bro. Appreciate you doing yeah. this.
2: Appreciate everybody listening in. I'm glad to be here, bro. I had hell of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to closing out the season with this too, bro. So appreciate you having me
1: hell yeah man I'm, I'm glad to be back at it uh we aim in for like one to two a week scheduling's always tough um but we're gonna figure it out and yeah that's the plan about one two a week so appreciate everybody tuning in whether youtube video or uh, on the audio side all listening platforms this is up on as well um appreciate everybody tuning in be sure to subscribe to stay up to date moving forward and, and likes are always appreciated too, y'all so thanks again and you'll hear from us again next couple of days